Um, we are so thrilled uh, what God is going to do this morning, but I want to just celebrate a couple things that happened this last week. Uh, I haven't gotten all the details because I was in class most of this week, uh, but Mallory shared that there was a great uh, meeting of women and their daughters at the Gachin's home on Wednesday night. Uh, so I, I appreciate everybody who went and just the, the great time that y'all had as you invested in that discussion time and fellowship time. That's really cool. Uh, on that same Wednesday night, uh, or actually y'all's wasn't Wednesday, it was Tuesday night. Um, so sorry about that. Then on Wednesday night at the uh, Tejeda's home, there was the back to school bash for the uh, swim party for the, the students in youth ministry. They had tw over 24 students there, something like that, which is a, just amazing. Um, so thank you, parents uh, and students, for going out to that. Great, great event for them. Uh, we'll be talking more about what's going on in youth ministry in the coming weeks, uh, hopefully soon. Um, a couple of other things. I, I've mentioned that if you're uh, desiring to join in a book club kind of thing with a group of men, we've got a couple more uh, books of Delighting in the Trinity. That's what Steve taught through a little bit last week. Um, we're going to be uh, meeting on September 5th, I think that Saturday morning. It'll probably be about 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. It's a, a couple hours for us to discuss, have a little bit of breakfast together. So if you have not picked up one of these but want to be part of that uh, book group, we're, we're thinking it's going to be called Thinklings or something like that after C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and uh, some of those guys that met at the, um, what was it called? Child and Eagle and Child, thank you. Um, just slipped the, flew the coop for a second. Eagle and Child. So be a part of that. Um, come grab one of these. I got two more copies. They'll be right there for the morning. And then last week I also mentioned that uh, we're getting ready to embark on our mentoring men on the importance of elders and deacons. Uh, this is not about you becoming an elder and deacon at this point. This is about understanding how we operate as a church. So it's building a foundation for what we want to do. We know that the Lord is, is uh, raising up men in our church right now for some of these offices, and uh, we're talking about what that also means for women down the road. So don't think that we're just excluding this to men. There, there's issues that we'll be talking about how women do ministry in our church life, uh, but we're focusing in on men right now. And so we want you, if you are at all interested in understanding the importance of, men, of, of uh, elders, deacons, and how our offices relate to one another in our church government, please pick up one of these manuals. Let us know, either Steve or myself, uh, that you did that so we can make sure that you're included in the emails. That's going to be August 23rd after church that we're meeting for that. So those are right there. Now, I think that's it. Do you have anything else? Okay. Um, now, here's what we're about to enter into. Because Perry is on a much-needed vacation with his family, uh, we felt like this was a Sunday morning uh, this week and next week, and we're doing this week. We haven't figured out the format for next week, but we're uh, looking this week at doing our worship service collectively. This is an opportunity for us just to worship together apart from music, because music does not define worship. Uh, you know, for us to worship doesn't mean, oh, we have to have a guitar, we have to have piano, we have to have instruments, or it doesn't mean, mean we raise our voices together in a, a singing tune, a tune or something like that. It can be done in different ways. So we thought that we would open this up this morning to uh, you as a church, as well as those that are on Facebook with us. Uh, we will moderate those things. So if you have comments or th those kind of things on Facebook, we'll try to bring those in at the, the appropriate moments. So essentially what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through four movements this morning. The first movement is going to be focused on who uh, God is as a person. So uh, and I say person, he is a person. Don't, don't think that that's sacrilege. 
but it's, it's really a focus on who he is and his character, his nature. Uh, we, we're not looking for the things that he's done necessarily, but really about descriptions and those kind of things that, 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 uh, where we recognize him for his glory and majesty. Um, the second movement will be the things that he has done. Uh, so, so maybe that's a great opportunity to bring testimonies. Uh, these are the things that God has done for me, and I celebrate those things. Or, or read scripture about how God has done things through the course of history that remind us of, of who he is and how he does things. Um, the second, uh, or the third movement is how he does things. So that, that may be a time to celebrate uh, the, the way that scripture shows us how he does things in our lives, that he is faithful, that he is forgiving. So kind of bringing those kind of thoughts together. And then the last uh, one, uh, last movement is going to be a focus on our need for Christ. Um, and the things that, that remind us of our desperate place of uh, recognizing we need him daily. And so the Lord, a couple months ago, uh, introduced me to a new song. I'm not going to play or sing the song this morning, um, but I am going to read the lyrics. I think it's a great thing uh, for us to get our heads wrapped around. Um, I, I know that Mackenzie and Juliana have actually worked on a uh, interpretive dance that they want to, to do with the song and lyrics that will communicate our, our need for the Lord. So that'll be coming at that time. So that's a, a visual art thing that we encourage everyone to think through. And so those two Young ladies are uh, involved in, in dance. It'll be a cool celebration for us to see them expressing that idea in, in um, motion. Um, so here's what we need as far as instructions. If you are online on Facebook and wanting to communicate those things, we want you to do that as clearly and quickly and early as you can. We can kind of moderate through and pick those things out at the right time, hopefully. Um, if you're here on campus, what we want you to do is make your way to one or two mics. Um, we have Maya and Serena stationed at the mic, so if we, like Gina Ryan is really tall, and so if the mic is too short for Gina, um, Gina's going to squat down, um, and no, I'm teasing, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. That, that's an old, old British joke, so if somebody gets that, come let me know. Um, so Maya will actually move the mic to help the mic reach her appropriately. If you're really short, Maya will help move the mic down. And you, we don't want you guys handling it because of COVID stuff and all that. We just want you to be freed up from not handling those things and passing germs. So Serena will do the same on this side. We want you to do this. It's going to be a little awkward. I'm used to hearing myself in the sound system. I know it may be awkward, but, but feel like I'm being loud, okay, in the microphones. Make sure you're close enough. They're, they're very hot, but we don't want anybody straining to hear because eventually, guess what's going to happen in our building? an air conditioning unit is going to kick on and people on one side of the room where the air is loudest are going to go, I, yeah, I can't hear you. So please get into the microphone just a little bit, okay? It, it, it will be okay. Billy is on it. If it starts to feed back or feel too loud or whatever, he can control you. But give him more rather than too little because if, if you give him too little and he tries to boost it, it'll be a mess and we'll have people on Facebook hearing the feedback. That's not cool right? Okay, so just do your best in that. See, there's the air conditioning unit. <sighs> Love this building. Um, any questions about how that's supposed to go? So we're all perfectly clear. There's no way I did that well. We're just going to see what happens. So Y'all are comfortable with that. All right, excellent. So, see, why don't you open us with a word of prayer, and then I'm going to begin by reading a couple of psalms that the Lord has laid on my heart for this time to get us just started and focusing on who God is. 
Um, why don't you stand with me, please? Let's just, let's just start off with, with that expression right there. Our Heavenly Father, we want to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for being God Almighty, for loving us. Jesus, we want to thank you and praise you for your perfect work, your perfect obedience, and the love that was expressed to us as a model that we can express to others. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you so much for comforting, for counseling, for convicting, for revealing in our lives the expression of the love of Jesus Christ. May what's done and said here today bring glory and honor to God and God alone. And all God's people said, amen. Carl, I'm going to begin with Psalm 92, 8, just to give you a heads up. It's a short verse. It says, but you, O Lord, are on high forever. Psalm 93, I'm going to read quite a bit of this. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. I'm going to turn to Psalm 113. Verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. The microphones are open. Steve, you may want to share. Genesis 29, 20. Um, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and it seemed, uh, it seemed, but just a few days for his love for her. I feel like there's so many things that that one verse tells us, um, but that's always stood out to me because as a historical account, as a narrative, God could have had Moses just stop with Jacob served seven years for Rachel. You know, but then he added, but they seemed like just a few days because of how much he loved her. And I just think that that's amazing that not only that God loves us, but he's given us 
love. And it can be, it's the type of love that in a time where you're an indentured servant in you know, the heat, the desert, working for seven years, it just seems like a few days because of how much you love somebody. I usually write in a prayer journal. And so I wrote this prayer out at the end of the God of Generation study for the ladies. Um, and we were finishing it up after quarantine started. So, um, and it can fit into multiple categories, but I'm gonna read it in this one. Abba, thank you for your goodness and generosity, for never withholding good gifts from your children, but for always telling us what's bad for us, even if we don't always listen. Our disobedience doesn't make you any less good. You are the only constant. What a sweet gift. We never have to question, though we often do, that you never change, but you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You are a firm foundation. Even in these uncertain times, even when friends get sick, even when family loses their job, even when babies never come home, even when we fail a test, even when friends don't want to be a friend anymore, even when we're tired and can't hear your voice, you are still Yahweh. You are a close God, not one who rules from faraway kingdoms. You are still the best listener that when we cry out for salvation from those secrets that bind us. You sent the only Savior that we'll ever need, and he gave the gift that only a son of the Most High can give. Great, awesome. Physician, peacemaker, light of the world, creator, Lord, Father, all-knowing, friend, redeemer, miracle worker, gracious, merciful, holy, everlasting, deliverer, provider, sovereign, amazing, my God, that is who you are. Speaker to every soul in every moment, you are there in the hospital room, in the dark closet, in the prison, in the field, at the well, on the couch, in the car, at the office, in the kitchen, in the wilderness, in the bathroom, at the base of the tree, knocking on our doors, you are there. You know my every hope and fear, and you want the very best for me. Your heart broke to love me. No sweeter love. I rest in you, lover of my soul. Amen. All right, I'm going to talk about God's sovereignty, which goes with that beautiful prayer. This won't be a sermon, because I'm a girl. Anyway, so God is sovereign. That means that in the big picture and in the little details, he's the king. And I'm going to read a familiar passage from Romans 8, which begins, or the, the first section here, just sum up that God is sovereign over creation and all creation is just waiting. It's waiting in anticipation for it says the sons of God to be revealed. So those who are believers, the, the whole creation is groaning because of our sin, the original sin in the garden and our sin now. Uh, verse 40, 24 says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts 
knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So, in suffering and in pain, and in just our daily lives, God is working every detail out for our good. And we can trust that our good means to be in Christ, made into Christ's image. That's what it says. And that he is already predestined. He is already, let me say all of them correctly. He's predestined us to be conformed to his image. He's called us. He's justified us. And glorified us in past tense, which means it's all done. It's all in his sovereign work, he has already done all that needs to be done for us, and we can trust him. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Loving God for who he is. Um, th thank you for this being just a little snapshot in, in your individual lives of of recognizing who God is. And, and, and it's so powerful because the, the model prayer that Jesus preaches, the first thing he says is just that amazing punch in the chest. And so what I'd like to do is to read the Lord's Prayer uh, with you. I will read a verse. You read the next verse. I will read a verse. And, and so starting at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'll read the first verse. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How powerful is that, that the first thing that Jesus says in his acknowledgement of the Father is, hallowed be thy name. God the Father, the Son giving glory and honor and respect by acknowledging holiness. Our Father, you are holy. My tall friend was just here. <laughs> Thanks, Maya. <laughs> Isaiah 12, 
verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. And salvation in this verse can mean deliverance, welfare, victory, and safety. So God is my safety, my deliverance, my welfare, my victory. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation, my welfare, my deliverance, my victory. I'll be quick. For what God has done for me, uh, I got a picture they're going to put up. It's a little graphic, but that's what God done for me. That little boy right there was born at 26 weeks. He was a 26-weeker. His lungs were underdeveloped. He had heart surgery a month after he was born. He was on the highest setting that you could put uh, a baby on of his tininess uh, on the ventilator. They wanted us to sign a DNR. He was at high risk for cerebral palsy. Um, I, w- I, w- I, I don't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. I was, uh, that was before I was saved. That's how I found salvation. And because when I found salvation a month, three months into him being in the NICU, because he spent five and a half months of his life in the NICU, and then all the stuff afterwards, uh, I, I, I gave my life to Christ. I said, you know what? If you can do that for me, somebody like me who doesn't deserve that at all, there's people out there that can't have children that deserve it, that are devoted to Christ. I wasn't. I didn't like him, and he gave me that, and I gave my life to Christ after that. And that boy right there is Danny. Sherilyn, will you grab your passage and come back over to the mic real quick? As we transition from loving God for who he is, um, I want to read for you a passage out of Philippians chapter 4. And, and we're all familiar with a number of the passages in, in, in Philippians chapter 4. We rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But when he goes down to, to, to verse 8 in Philippians chapter 4, and, and there's a reason why, so just you're going you're gonna to segue with me. You don't even know it, but you are. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, I want you to, I want you to hover on that word, true, even if you need to circle it. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What did Jesus identify himself as? I am the way, the... What does Paul say? If anything is 
true. What is true? Jesus. I believe that these passages, these character qualities, are designed in such a way to say, don't look on the temporal things of true, the temporal things of lovely, the temporal things of excellence, but to look at the character and nature of God. Read that passage again for me real quick. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. So in that, my strength and my song. The next area that we're going to acknowledge our worship of God Almighty is loving him for what he has done. How has he been your strength? How has he been your salvation? What has he done in your life that reveals who he is in your life? Does that make sense? It's not about just going, well, he gave me something good. He was really good to me. He does what he does because of who he is. In Psalm 98, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. Matt, why should we always be singing new songs? Because when we see God doing the things that he's consistently done, it causes us to rejoice anew. So he's at work. Yes. Yes. Providentially at work. Not seated on his throne, removed from us, but engaged with us consistently, continuously, every moment of every day. Yeah. So our prayer life. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because we are acknowledging what God does. So in this new time that, that we're sharing, what is it that God has been doing in your life? How can we celebrate with you and champion what it is that God is doing? Um, 2017 was a year that completely changed my life. Uh, my entire life, all I'd ever seen and all I'd ever known was brokenness, um, dead, dead in sin, dead in life. Uh, I, I grew up in a, in a home that was, it was drinking every weekend, drinking every day. That was the life. Uh, and it carried over uh, into drugs and alcohol and drink, heavy drinking for all of my life. And then in 2017, in January, I had been married for all of six months. And um, due to my drinking, I had destroyed the marriage. Um, there was... I was not being the husband I should have been. Um, I was, I was dead. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. Um, and so, in 2017, in January, I signed divorce papers on a Friday, and then on a Monday, the following Monday morning, I went in for a, a, a spinal fusion in my back, and which put me on short-term disability. I was out of work for six months. So I was at home 
for six months every day by myself dealing with a divorce, um, my, my struggles. Uh, I was uh, drinking heavily. I started doing drugs again. And um, I, I thought I was struggling with depression. Well, I was struggling with depression, and I thought which, what was the cure would be going to the doctor and getting a medication on antidepressants, which did not help it. Uh, so in October, we'll back up a little bit. Uh, when, when my daughter started school, sixth grade, she started going to church. From the first week of her sixth grade year, she started growing, going to church every Wednesday. Well, she came home one day and she said, Daddy, I got saved. And I said, well, that's good. You know, I'm proud of you. I still wasn't going to church. I was still sitting at home doing my thing. Um, first time I stepped in the church was October 1st, 2017, which was the day she got baptized. And when I stepped in that church, all that pain, all that, uh, All that that I'd been dealing with for all those months, for all my life, was was gone. You know, this all goes back right to what Regina was talking about with God's sovereignty because I couldn't see it at the time, but he was working everything for my good, everything I went through. Um, he drew me in. He called me by name. I felt his presence that day, and it... I'd never looked back there. From that moment on, I knew this is the Lord I'm going to serve. This is the God I'm going to serve. And I have not let up being persistent and pursuant and trying to serve him and follow him and, and just be transformed into his image. And it's remarkable life change. Console those who mourn in Zion. To give. Hmm. Give them grief for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 2014, I went home to a Dear Jane letter. My husband had passed up and left. I was devastated, heartbroken. It doesn't even begin to explain the anger I felt. Even though the marriage was a disaster from day one, I was verbally and emotionally abused on a, on a weekly basis. I had been cheated on most of my marriage, and um, I was your typical codependent. Um, My sister, who's a Christian, 
and my brother-in-law, um, I went right to the veterinary. I began to um, join my sister and a group of her friends, who I now lovingly call my saddlebag sisters, and for reasons we will not discuss. So, um, I started going to church, just kind of went, just because I had nothing else to do. You know, I, I moved out immediately, got my own place. Um, and I started going, and one afternoon I was driving home, and Lauren Daigle's song, How Can It Be, came on. And the words, how can it be, it just kept resonating with me. How can it be that you did this for me? That you want this out of life for me? When I've been such a hot mess. I mean, I was quick-tempered and I was angry and I was bitter. I was controlling. But how can it be that he still loved me and he still showed me mercy and grace? I accepted Christ on the side of the road that day and I was baptized the following week and I've never looked back. I moved down here and I am just a few weeks away from obtaining my bachelor's degree for Christian counseling and I will be joining Salem's Counseling Center to help women know that there is beauty from ashes and that God loves them. Thank you. I, th I think, Patricia, as you're coming, um, Isaiah 43, uh, as Eric was sharing, I think this ties right into what Kim shared too. Um, we, we read the following, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. There's a real hint. Jacob was the supplanter, the heel grabber, Israel. Change, okay? There's that picture there. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, though they shall uh, not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What a great picture that, that the Lord is our God, that he is our Savior, that he knows us, that he is the one working redemption, um, the great things that he has done. We love him for that. I, I was also thinking about this verse, and then Patricia, I'm going to give you a moment. Um, in, in James chapter 4, uh, verse 6, actually I'm going to read verse 5 to you. It says, or do you suppose it is not... Uh, it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Whew. Think think about that for just a moment. You're created in the image of God. We all are. And he yearns with jealousy over who we are. Now listen to this, because this is the key, and I think each one of us needs this. He says in verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Because he yearns for us, our pride will prevent us from relating to him. Aren't you thankful, Kim, that he still breaks us? He removes the pride. Me too. Because he is yearning and he's breaking us of pride and giving us grace. That is a good thing. Patricia? 
So as most of you know, I'm a college student. I ended a 25-year career in the dental field to go back to school. Um, in the spring of 1994, I was 19 years old. I had gone to college for one and a half semesters and I had a really great GPA. But unknown to me, I had test anxiety, a perfectionism that will drive a person insane. And when it became too hard on my own, I quit. I also made a vow that I would never, ever, ever go back to school. And I really thought I never would. Um, so to the regular person, a woman in her 40s who had the means to go back to school can quit her job. Sounds really great, even a little fun and adventurous. That's what I felt in the beginning. And then I registered for anatomy and physiology one, began to study on my own before classes started, watched many YouTube videos, and right before classes were to begin, that same fear hit me all over again. I started to devise a plan to run as hard and as fast as I could away from this new decision. My only problem was that I had told way too many people and I needed to figure out what I was gonna say and then my biggest problem was to tell God no. But God already knew that I would do this. He allowed me to go to my regularly scheduled prayer time with a group of friends on Friday morning, which a side note, I swore I would never tell them because I knew that what they would say. <laughs> but it all came out through my tears. And, and on the front porch of this very church, God used a very wise woman to tell me that I was running into a block of some kind and we needed to figure out what that was. So very reluctantly, I began to deal with this issue. And when I tell you I had fear in my heart, and in my mind, that is an understatement because I was paralyzed. Everything inside of me wanted to run away from this new path that God had chosen for me. And I knew I had to make a choice. The choice to walk out every day what God had put in front of me or to tell him no. And I decided to go anyway. When I finished my first class of AMP, it was eight weeks long. And oh God, it was horrible. I made an A and I was ecstatic because I'm a perfectionist. I wish you could have seen my desk with my handprints on it from the sweat that was a perfect outline. So for the next two semesters, I finished my prerequisites for nursing school. God had put into my heart to go to Ball State for their nursing program, which was rumored to be starting, but the only problem was there was no announcement for a very long time. I applied to another school and was accepted and found out Ball State after all was having a program and I accepted and started in June of 2019. This was such a big deal and the enormity of the acceptance was unreal to me. I know it hit me when I walked into the orientation for nursing class and I was one of 10 students in that room. Can you say fear all over again? Fear was a constant theme in all of this but I was also being taught by the Holy Spirit how to deal with it. If you have never been told of the horror of nursing school, I encourage you to look on YouTube because there are thousands of videos, and I'm sorry you're having to hear this. <laughs> if you have never been told, I already read that. I praise God that I never have been told to look on YouTube. 
One instance, I was in lab with my instructor breathing down my neck because I was pushing a med too fast. By the way, we had never studied this at all. And I'd had enough. I looked at her and I said, I'll be back. And I marched out of there with tears running down my face, walked across campus with so much emotion and fear and anger that I thought I would bust. I went to the nearest building, found a bathroom, stared in the mirror, and had it out with the enemy. I pointed my finger and began to ex exclaim that today you are not going to win, Satan. I am going back in there. And there was nothing inside of me that wanted to go back in there. All I wanted do, to do was to run as fast and as hard as I could, but I turned around and went back into the classroom, but not before having to face my instructor telling me that you're really going to have to want this. You're different from the others because you're established in life and you can easily walk away. I wanted so badly to tell her, well, no kidding, lady. <laughs> but side note, she became one of my dearest friends. I had never failed a test in my life until nursing school when the dean comes in on day three and says, all of you in here to this point are A students, but that's all about to change. <clears throat> You're required to make a 75 to pass, and I thought, well, she doesn't know who I am. That, that second semester, I found out exactly who I was when I made a first, my first 55 on a test. Can I say, here we go again. God had allowed me to continually get to the end of myself so that he could show me that he was big enough. He also allowed me to be ignorant of most of the fact that progressively every semester of this journey would get harder academically and the requirements demanded of nursing school would be more and more intense. I praise, I praise him that I did not know. In this season, ignorance was truly bliss. I know without a doubt that God called me to this journey. It basically boiled down to obedience to God or obedience to what felt good to me. The 40 hours of study a week outside of class time that secluded me from my friends and family was many times too much. Yet in the back of my head, I knew that I was right where God wanted me to be. Learning to do today, this moment, what God had called me to do, not allowing myself to think ahead to the future was key. That is what scripture says in Matthew 6:34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My perfectionist self had to stop trying to figure life out God was and is leading me, and I wait for his instruction and desire. Sometimes he gives me a plan ahead of time, and sometimes he wants action now. I'm learning to listen, trust, and to do. So in four days, I will be a graduate nurse. <laughs> and I will have to take the nursing board, so please, God, don't stop praying for me. I praise our Lord Jesus Christ for loving me, for teaching me, and helping me in this process. He has always been faithful to me, and he has always been enough. He has never let me down, and I give him praise and the glory he deserves. And I thank God for my family, my husband, and Mackenzie, because I couldn't have done it without them. So... Um that's a new song. Amen. Eric, that's a new song. Kim, that's a new song. Felt kind of moved to continue my story because it sort of follows a little bit, but not nearly to that extent as far as intensity. But well, that's because she can talk. <laughs> that's true. 
Anyway, back many years ago, I was working on a project with a business I was involved in, and we were redoing this deck, and I needed some extra help. And there was a gentleman that came by um, from Florida, and he was typical, you know, construction worker, chewed on gravel all day, could uh, cuss better than anybody you know. And the first morning there, God tells me, I want you to tell this guy something. I'm like, right. So he told me what to say, and I went through that today. I'll get this done. Tuesday went through. Wednesday went through. Still hadn't done it. Thursday went through. Still didn't get around to it. Friday, this is the day. I'm going to do it today. Went through the whole day. The guy said goodbye. I went walking off. I forgot to mention, he said he, had, he was leaving on Saturday, flying out. We were in St. Croix, and he was flying back to Florida. He walked away, and my heart ripped apart. I was just torn because I hadn't obeyed. It was a simple one sentence, about four words I was supposed to tell this guy. Wasn't I supposed to preach to him anything? That whole weekend, I mourned. I told him, you send another one, I'll do it this time. Show up at Monday morning, knock on the door, and there's that guy. <laughs> I said, I'm doing it this time. You know what I was supposed to tell him? God told me to tell him that he loves him and he misses him. That was it. And I was like, how is that going to affect this guy? And that guy almost broke down crying because he was very close to the Lord and he had walked away years ago. And I almost blew the opportunity for God to reach out to him. It wasn't about me at all, the whole thing. I thought it was some kind of like lesson for me to learn. That's how much God is interested in each and every one of us. The lengths he will go to. Some stranger, thousands of miles away from your home, is led to tell you about him. My encouragement is really to listen. Don't give up. God's not going to give up on you. You can be guaranteed of that. He puts something on your heart. It's never going to be stopped. But don't miss the opportunity of just the amazing opportunity of being a part of what he's doing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Um, back in Isaiah 43, um, Frank, Patricia, it's not if you fall off a horse, it's when you fall off a horse. If you ever ride a horse, you will eventually come off that horse. You can ask Patricia about that. But anyway, I digress because this is what it says in, in, in Psalm 43. When you pass through the waters, not if, but when, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame you shall not it shall not consume you. Verse five. Fear not. Not the if, it's the when, because the when is going to happen. Fear not, why? In verse 5, for I am with you. I have underlined, I'm going to start crying. I have underlined in my Bible, verse 18, and a little date that says 2010, because that was a very significant point in mine and Christy's life when, when we made a decision to move to Alabama. Verse 18 says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am what? I am doing a new thing. This is God. He's not done. He's, he's not like, like Matt said, sitting on his throne, just hanging out, just resting and relaxing. Behold, verse 19, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How? Section three. How does God do things? Matt, how does God do things? Well, I'm sitting here thinking about this passage in Ephesians and it's couched in Ephesians 5. And I'll try to give uh, Carl a second to get there. Uh, it's couched in this perspective on uh, uh, marriage. Mm. But marriage is an illustration to point us to how Christ rightly loves us. And I want you to, to hear this in Ephesians 5.25. And I'm going to start partially through this. It's Christ loved the church. We, we've been talking about love recently in, in, out of 1 Corinthians 13. But we cannot lose sight of this. Christ loves us, the church. And listen, he goes further. Paul goes further. He gave himself up for her. Folks, the Savior that we serve, that, that we are bondservants of, he is good. He loves us. He gave himself up for us with a purpose that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish? I put a question on there because I think, is that really where I am? Is that really where we are? But he's loving us for that purpose. Whew. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I am not done, the th and he is not done with me. The things that he is doing are consistent for holiness, for blamelessness. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Sorry, so it's just overwhelming no, be to me. Because that, that really ties into what we talked about last week of this. Remember the waterfall analogy, the cascading waterfall of love from God the Father to God the Son and from God the Son to the church? So in this next section, we love God for how he does things. Everything that God does, how does he do it? He does it with love. 
everything that he does is designed to be the most loving thing that he can do. Why? Because he can only do that which is loving. Because he is God. So in your life, as we continue with this, with this next section, how is it that you have seen God at work in your life by the works of love that he's done? How is it that he's been working in your life? How does God do things in your life? So he's giving us a new song. I want to read Revelations, uh, Revelation 21.5. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. There's a reason to sing a new song. And he said also, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He is making all things new. How else? Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a morning. Um, Ephesians 2.10. For we his workmanship, and one version says we are his masterpiece. Get a hold of that. We're his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <laughs> okay, Kim, here we go. In, in the mid-1990s, 1994, 95, I, was, I had had an experience with the Lord, and I was crying out to him for a mom with young children, how do I ever get time with you alone? He'd get me up in the middle of the night. Okay, that's when we got to do this. So I'm worshiping him one night, and I see these letters, three inches, dance across my face. E-P-T. In those days, that meant early pregnancy test. And I went, dang. <laughs> I'm in my 40s now. I've had a hysterectomy. Can't have kids. So either you're getting ready to do a miracle or something's happening here and I don't understand it. So I went to someone I really trusted with these things and I said, what could that be? And she said, Either you're going to have a baby or God's birthing something in you. And I thought, okay. So she said, just watch. Keep doing the next right thing. He knows what he's doing. So, okay, all right. Fast forward, and I immediately called all the wives of my elders in the church at that time and declared, this is what I, God has said. I'm pregnant. I don't know what that means. I don't have a clue. Okay, so here we go. Because I wanted God to get the glory whenever whatever he was going to do happened. I wanted him to get the glory. Fast forward to 2008. We, no, 2006. We have a situation in our home where we had um, to have some counseling uh, for one of our girls. And God introduced me to a profile that the counselor used for all of us changed our lives forever. I immediately became certified in using that temperament profile. Go to 2008, God, my kids are moving towards graduating from high school, and I had, mind you, back in um, when I graduated from high school, went to nursing school. God bless you, Patricia. 
went to nursing school, had done that for 15 years, came home to raise my children. Now my kids are graduating. I said, okay, God, what are we going to do next? And he said, what's the thread that's run through your life? And it was counseling. I didn't see that coming. Didn't see it at all. I said, you do realize I'm going to have to go back to school if we do that, and I'm in my 50s. I don't know if I can do tests and papers, okay? He's, so he kept poking, and I finally said yes, and it was like coming home. He knew all these years. He knew that he had given me every spiritual gift test I ever take. The strongest is evangelism. I want people to know about Jesus. But I was confused by that because I hate knocking on doors and selling things. And that's what I knew of evangelism. We're going to sell Jesus. No. So, okay, we keep going. Uh, I went back to school, got my doctorate, graduated. And then he, he said, now I want you to join this person uh, a few years later. And I joined them in their ministry. And we opened the office that we're in now. But at the time... It was with this, this group, and as my husband was putting the sign up in the yard, and I'm taking a picture, the Lord said, remember 1994 when I told you that we're, you're pregnant? There it is. So God knew all of that all along, and in the midst, he knew what was happening over there. And I just laughed this morning thinking he knew all of that. And Kim's going to join us doing what we do, pointing people to Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the verses that the Lord laid on my mind about this section of our, our service this morning is Psalm 117. It's actually two verses. It's the entire psalm, uh, ironically, um, or interestingly. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Now listen to this right here. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Sherilyn, going back to school now in my 50s, um, I, I certainly relate, yes. And I think about how Katie and I've talked that, that I had a desire in 1996 to pursue a next level of degree after I got my master's of divinity and just couldn't do it. I mean, circumstances in life just did not enable us at that point to, though there was a deep desire. And now through so many things, um, Katie's job, the blessing of that, her faithfulness to me and enduring her encouragement, um, but especially the Lord's faithfulness and, and his endurance over those lengths of time, Sherilyn, uh, Kim, Patricia, others of you, and Jesse, um, same, same kind of thing Steve's about to, to start uh, doing a, another degree. And, and it's not just about education. It's other things in life. Aren't you grateful that the Lord loves us and his love endures forever. He is long-suffering with us. When I think about a love for how God does things, his grace is abundant. His mercies are what? New every morning. He is faithful. He is steadfast. How many of you came to Christ in salvation the first time you heard the gospel message? 
It was 10 years of him enduring a, a, a pursuit of me. I am so thankful that he is a God and Savior that never relents. But he is patient and long-suffering with us. I, I think that the key word in hearing about his steadfast love is that it endures. And as we're going through it, he is right there with us. And he has perfect endurance. So be prepared. Um, so during high school week, as most of y'all know, we had the big incident at the Red River. And um, the rest of camp, so like the week and a half after that, um, everybody just like continued to talk about it. And just during that whole thing, God's sovereignty, which was the theme of this year, Jonah, the story of sovereignty, um, it was just so evident during that whole situation. And, like, that situation was so scary. Um, now we all, like, joke about it, and it's a great story to tell that I'll tell for the rest of my life. But we really thought that we could possibly die, which sounds extreme, but, like, the lightning was just so scary. But during that whole thing, we were, like, re like somebody had their backpack, so they whipped out their Bible, and Carlos, one of the counselors who was with my group, was just, like, yelling scripture at us. Um, we were singing worship songs, and honestly, we were trying to have fun out of this terrifying situation. Um, but we all just, like, continued to pray, and, like, we just remembered God through all of it. And so I don't know of one person in that situation who was not affected by how amazing God is. And just, like, even though he did it, like, showed us his love in such a scary way, like, everybody came out of that situation and was just like, man, God is good. Like, God loves us. And so, on top of that, um, a lot of us didn't have, like, our siblings with us. Um, and so, for me, I, Christian, my brother was in um, the bigger group at the bluff. And um, me and him, like, had no idea where each other were. Because he was at the front and I was at the very back. And so... That night, when we were having a debrief, um, Shay comes up to me and is like, hey, have you have you hugged Christian lately? Or like, did you hug him after the whole thing? And I was like, I hugged him right after I got the boat, and I didn't think any more about it. And um, then later, a couple hours later, another counselor comes up to me and is like, hey, Christian's really struggling. Like, he was so scared for you today. Um, and I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying all this. But um, it just like hit me how much he loves me, I guess. And so after seminar that night, um, during seminar, the counselors were having a debrief of their own. And I run out of seminar, and Christian and I just, like, sob into each other's arms. And um, so just that day, it was just really cool to see how, like, God really helped my and Christian's relationship. And, like, I'm really close to both of my siblings. Um, but it just, like, showed how good he is um, through all of that, too. And it just, like, really helped me and Christian grow together. Um, as brothers and sisters, and brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and so, um, just, God is sovereign, and he loves us, and even in the midst of the craziest times, just, he's so good, so I just thought I'd share that.
one more thing, how I love how God does things. Uh, four years ago, I was an iron worker. I used to, I used to hang steel buildings like this, and I did it for a long time. Uh, that's where I was comfortable at, right? I don't like change. I don't like new stuff. I didn't hear anything from my mom. Well, uh, <clears throat> after I had my baby girl, uh, who you know, also changed my life, which is awesome, uh, I, I started looking at, man, do I want, do I want to work all the time? You know, what my kid, what are my kids going to say when, when they get older? Like, oh, we always had money, or oh, daddy always had time for us. So being an iron worker, I work six, seven days a week. So I started looking at that. So I got suspended from the company for 10 days. And uh, I, I went to Julie and I said, hey, I said, my brother-in-law works for an HVAC company and he offered me a job. Never done HVAC. And uh, she was like, no, we're secure, you know. I don't know if we should do that. And I said, well, hey, man, let, let's fast and let's pray about it. So we fasted, we prayed. I went back to work and I had a, I had a meeting with my then boss at my 10 day suspension. And he told me that uh, if it wasn't for my dad, he'd probably fire me. And I've worked for the, been devoted for this company off and on 15 years. So right then I called my brother-in-law. We set up an interview. My, my interview with Jeff Franzetter, the, the president of, uh, he's now my coworker, by the way, uh, the commercial division, my interview went, we talked about Christ for 45 minutes. That was the interview. So I knew like right then, I was like, all right, this is where God wants me at. A year later, I got offered a position, a promotion from a helper who has a ninth grade or an eighth grade education. I dropped out in the ninth grade, never went back to school, got offered a position for the safety director of the entire company. So now I'm over 150 employees doing what guys go and get a four-year degree. So that's how I love what God does. God, man, he just, if you trust him, man, he just, man, he changes your life. Carl, could you get Isaiah 30 verses, uh, if you just grab 18 to start with. I'll give you guys, if you have your Bibles, a minute to turn there. And we're going to start to transition uh, towards this last portion of our service this morning. Um, Judge, you got something? Better make the mic quick, man. Because you got to get over this air conditioning unit. There was a word that uh, God gave me this morning about that, and I couldn't figure out how it really fit in. Um, but now it seems to make more sense. So um, it's uh, Proverbs 3. And when I read this, I'm going to do the uh, New Living Translation. For me, it's it, easier to understand. But when you hear the word commands, um, that's God's word. It's the Bible. So this is the, uh, the passage. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty or kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. 
Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Thank you, Judd. I think this is a little perfect segue because as we're reading God's word, I want you to listen to kind of the capstone, if you will, of, of how God does things. And we're going to be moving into how we desperately need God. Okay? And, and that's, that's kind of where we're, we're moving. So transitionally, Isaiah 30, verse 18 uh, and following. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, Listen to the Lord. So what I would say is, we need to see our teacher. We need to hear from him. We are desperate. We need him every moment of every day. How do we do that? Juliana McKenzie, I think this is a great place. Do you agree? You know the lyrics to the song? For you guys to come in and interpret this song with dance. So we're going to clear this off. If you have other ideas, I got it, Steve, uh, that you would like to share, I would encourage you to prepare those. So after the girls are finished, we will continue to walk through this for just a few more minutes. Why would happen? 
there's something about what they were doing right there uh, with, with the lyrics saying, I'll be quiet, but to be also ready to receive and move. Because I think there's times that, that the Lord will ask us to hear, but what we do is we dig our heels and we resist. But, but the fluidity of motion in that said to me, be ready to move. Be quiet, but be ready at the same time. Why? Because I think that, that speaks to what we need, is we need to be ready to, to respond to God in the midst of our, our needs. The mics are open. Thank you, thank you so much, girls. I appreciate y'all doing that. What else? Other thoughts? Ultimately, all of this has to point back to Jesus, which I think that, that dance beautifully did that. Colossians 1, verses 13 and following. He, that's God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body a flesh by his death in order to present, to you, present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, I'm going to read Psalm 139. It's, it's a little bit of length, but I think it's worthy this morning. Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me, and you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my, laying, my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even, even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free, for, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I just want to say to our elders, thank you so much. I have prayed for this to happen for years because of Psalm 78. Psalm 78 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers <clears throat> to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God that keep his commandments. Thanks so much. So I didn't really plan anything this morning, um, but I mean, I was kind of just a mic person this morning, so. But at 17 years old, I was searching for love in places I shouldn't have been. Sorry. And um, this is kind of my testimony. So at 17 years old, and now I'm, I'm 20 years old. At 17 years old, I was searching for love in places I shouldn't have been. And I remember one day, um, I ended up in the car um, listening to the song Reckless Love. And we had been singing it in church for weeks. And I had heard it in the car and I turned up the music really loud. And I was on the interstate and I remember singing it 
at the top of my lungs, and I bet people were looking at me all crazy on the interstate, like, what the heck is this lady doing? Because I was banging on the steering wheel, like, praising God with my hand up in the air, one hand on the steering wheel. I mean, if any of you guys have felt that before, I mean, it's awesome. It's amazing. I mean, just feeling God's love like that is awesome. And um, at 17 years old, feeling like you need that, and then feeling God, feeling just that abundance of love around you that you needed. And um, so that was at 17, and I turned 18 in October. That January, um, I ended up getting saved. And then I met my husband that June, and God kind of just showed me, you know, all you needed was me, not everything you were chasing after, you know, and I, I'm looking at all these young faces, and I want you to know, you know, you don't need anything else but God. You know, everything you're searching after, all you need is God. So. Thank you, Serena. I, I want to conclude with the uh, lyrics from a song, um, and I would encourage you uh, I shared this song with Steve. He hadn't heard it before. Um, it's not an artist that's very well known. Uh, his name is Matthew Smith. Uh, the song title is I Need Thee Every Hour. It's not based on the hymn. Um, so this is, this is a new form. Um, he's a great uh, artist. I, so again, Matthew Smith, I, I, I Need Thee Every Hour. And I wanna, so here are the lyrics. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender, wait a second. That is it. That's the wrong one. Hey, can you get those lyrics up for me, Carl? I think there we go. This is it. Okay. I need thee, precious Jesus, for I am full of sin. My soul is dark and guilty. My heart is dead within. I need the cleansing fountain where I can always flee. The blood of Christ most precious. The sinner's perfect plea. I need thee, I need thee. Jesus, I need thee today. I want you to hang on that set for just a second because I want to editorialize. Folks, everything that we've talked about today is about us needing Jesus today. I think so many times we think, well, everything's good. Everything's okay. Status quo. It's all good. That's what we're going after. We just don't want things to get disrupted. That is not how we're going to live. We are going to pass through the waters. We're going to pass through the fires. We're going to face difficulties. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be times that the Lord is calling us from afar to, to bring us his direction. There's going to be times he's behind us saying, go this direction. I have these plans for you. The truth is we need him today. We need him today. Let me keep going now. I need thee, precious Jesus, for I am very poor, a stranger, and a pilgrim. I have no earthly store. I need the love of Jesus to cheer me on my way, to guide, to guide my doubting footsteps, to be my strength and stay. I need thee. I need thee. I, Jesus, I need thee today. I need thee, precious Jesus. I need a friend like thee, a friend 
to soothe me and pity me, a friend to care for me. I need the heart of Jesus to feel each anxious care, to tell my every trial and all my sorrow share. I need thee. I need thee, Jesus. I need thee today. I need thee, precious Jesus, and hope to see thee soon, encircled with the rainbow and seated on thy throne. There with thy blood-bought children, my joy shall ever be. To sing thy praise, Lord Jesus, to gaze, my Lord, on thee. I need thee. I need thee. Jesus, I need thee today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, where we have started this morning was to recognize you, this mighty God, majestic one, sovereign over all of creation, to recognize that in who you are, you still desire a relationship with us. You provided a perfect plan, and you've enacted that perfect plan through sending your son Jesus to pay the penalty for us, to bear the cup of sin and shame so that we might repent of our sins and come in humility and brokenness through faith to you, that we would be born again, redeemed. And Lord, we have given testimony of how we've seen you work through our history, throughout the history of, of Scripture and time as well. And you're worthy of our worship for all of these things. And now we come, Lord, celebrating how we have been able to testify to your goodness, to your grace, to your mercy, to your love, to, to your ongoing patience, endurance, and faithfulness to us. Lord, so many things have been shared this morning. We, we celebrate and rejoice together in who you are. And we conclude simply saying, we still need thee. We need to be quiet before you, ready to move. We need to celebrate your goodness, to reflect upon your great grace, your, your process of sanctifying and, and bringing us to a, a position where the good work that you have begun is going to be completed. And in all that, Lord, we confess that we need you today. So, Father, again, as Sherilyn said, and I, I so echo, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your good works in us. Lord, as a, a body here, as well as those that are gathered on Facebook, Lord, may this not end today. Lord, may we be uh, a body that is engaged well through testimonies together, through emails and phone calls and texts that will happen this week as we encourage one another in, in the work that we see you doing. And Father, I know this, I've watched people uh, gather around others in prayer this morning. Just because we're, quote, concluding the worship time, end quote, doesn't mean that we're done in ministry today. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you knowing that, that we will continue as a body to serve one another, to minister healing and hope to one another, to share the word of Scripture uh, to be used by your spirit in the gifts that he's bestowed upon us so that we might grow as, a, 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 as believers together and as a church in a healthy way. So, Father, I thank you for all the things that have been uh, put into effort this morning to, to make this happen. Lord, we trust that you have been glorified and honored because that's our heart, 
That, that's our desire. And so we end this service by saying simply this. We bless you, O oh Lord, who are worthy of praise and glory. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Go and connect in communities and change lives by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you whom you come into contact with. If you have prayer needs, please hang around. Talk to somebody today. Um, and as last uh, announcement kind of thing, if you have a desire for one of these two books that I mentioned earlier, come grab those. Let us, either Steve or myself, know that you took that. And pay careful attention to the emails that will go out this week about next Sunday's sermon. It will be something similar, but we're not sure where the Lord will direct us yet, but you'll have a part to play in it.